Hello, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, talent booker, broadcaster, political enthusiast, and ready for Jen to spill the tea. Yeah, I think I drank it all, Mara. Come on. (laughs) You don't want to spill any of it. Give me a break. And I'm Jen Jordan, and I'm just happy to be here. Well, Senator... Uh, there's a lot to get to. I always say that every podcast is there's a lot to get to. And I think that's because there's never a boring day in oh Georgia my gosh. politics. This, it has been like this. I feel like it's Groundhog Day, but like <laughs> we're in some weird guinea pig kind of thing where we're running all the time and it's a mess. So you've been up at the Capitol. How's that been? It's been uh, it's been interesting. This week we had um, budget week. And so for folks that don't know, the one thing that the the members of the General Assembly have to do every year is to pass a budget. And it has to be a balanced budget. We're not like the federal government who can borrow money and, and kind of keep going. We have to balance our books every single year. And uh, and so we have spent the week listening to department heads and um, different constitutional officers uh, talk about their needs, their budget, and, um, you know, and, and there are a lot of asks there in terms of money. They're asking you for money. Well, me as in one of many <laughs> on the Appropriations Committee. Sounds sexy. <laughs> like, not at all. Okay. Another thing that's been going on and very much talked about is the voting rights that happened last week. That uh, was very, very big. And obviously it did not go through. But I do want to give a mention to our senators, our great senators, Senator Warnock and Senator Ossoff, who both had very, very powerful speeches. You cannot remember Martin Luther King Jr. and dismember his legacy at the same time. You can argue whatever side you want. But you do not get to argue both sides. I will not sit quietly while some make Dr. King a victim of identity theft. (laughs) You do not get to offer praises and plaudits in memory of Dr. King and then marshal the same kinds of states' rights arguments that were used against Dr. King and against the civil rights movement. Please know that as the pastor of Dr. King's church, this, this argument evokes... I say really respectfully, it evokes some of the darkest moments in our country's longest, long struggle for equality. But I speak for the state of Georgia when I say do not invoke Congressman Lewis' name to signal your virtue while you work to erode his legacy and defy his will. I've heard a lot from our Republican colleagues about the recently passed election law in the state of Georgia. Let's be very clear, there is no one in Georgia on either side of the aisle who doubts or does not understand precisely what its purpose is. Forbidding voter registration for runoff elections. Driving down the early vote period during decisive runoffs to drive up lines at majority black precincts. As he used to say, John Lewis didn't give a little blood on that bridge that day so that black Georgians would have to wait eight times longer to vote than white Georgians. Now, quotes from these speeches really went viral. I mean, they seem to have the biggest impact 
uh, uh, out of anybody speaking on this. Yeah, it was interesting because, I mean, I think we just celebrated their one year anniversary of getting sworn in as U.S. senators. And they, I mean, they're delivering. They're delivering in the sense that they are representing the people of this state that elected them to be there. And it, while maybe we failed this time in terms of of trying to get this through, at least we, the people of Georgia, know that the work that we did to get these two gentlemen elected, I mean, it does matter. It really does. And it made me very proud of Georgia to see that. Wasn't- I mean, I was thinking, I was like, <laughs> Okay, so they've been there like one year, right? Both yeah. of them. I was like, I don't think I ever saw David Perdue give a speech. And if I did, it sure the heck wasn't some eloquent, you know, um, fiery speech, you know, on the floor of the Senate. So it was, it was, it's so different in terms of our representation. And, and that's what, that's the thing that kind of gives me, gives me hope. Well, and of course, the idea that John Ossoff worked with John Lewis is so impactful because uh, and this is, you know, been said over and over and over again that all these Republican lawmakers and people in politics who want to give their MLK quotes, uh, but don't want to pass voting legislation. It's really I, I, I just I simply don't understand it, Jen. Voting should be easy for everybody. Everybody should want this. Everybody should want this to be the easiest thing for everybody. And it, it, it really is mind boggling. Well, it goes back to wanting. I mean, it is an implicit recognition by the GOP that if every person who was legally able to vote was able to vote, then they would lose power. And so, I mean, that's that's crushing. That, that you actually have to kind of maneuver, change the rules, change the laws, do whatever you can either to suppress the vote or to subvert elections just to hang on to power. I mean, that that's an indication that the GOP, I mean, they're really dying. I mean, because they can't win unless unless they change the rules. I, you know, st- to hear you say that, I feel like maybe I'm on Twitter too much, which is probably true. Probably. But I feel like every pundit, every political read the tea leaves is saying Democrats in disarray, bloodbath in 2022. Forget it. Republicans are coming in hot. Uh, I it, how, how, how do I have hope? Look, you, you got to we're going to do exactly what we've been doing in the past when they've said there's no way for us to win. Right. We get out. We talk to people about our values and what we want to do in our policies, and we point out what the GOP has done or not done with respect to this state and how it impacts their lives every day. You know, you just got to you got to stay out there and you got to keep talking to folks. Well, I think Democrats need to do a better job at that of, you know, obviously it's been a weird week for Biden who gave a press conference, which is funny. Like he gives a press conference. Everybody bitches and moans that he doesn't get talk to the press enough. He finally gets out there. Maybe he stood out there for too long. Maybe. And, you know, maybe there was a little bit of, you know, clean up on aisle Jen Psaki uh, to sort of, you know, fix some of the things that he said that that people will take a, a poll clip. You know, I think Jake Tapper said to her, you know, you've really earned your paycheck this week. But it's like, is anybody going to be happy with anything? It just seems like everybody's just mad and rooting for the other side to fail. Look, they're just they're just pointing to anything they can. It's this us versus them kind of thing. And it used to be 
And I still feel this way because I even felt this way when after Trump was elected, is that I, I want the president of the United States to be successful because that benefits our country and the people of this country. Right. And so I, I don't think I've ever seen, you know, where we are now, where they everybody's just is just pointing to the other side and, and just wanting them to fail and and not understanding that if if a Democrat fails, it doesn't just affect Democrats. Right. If a Republican fails, it doesn't just affect Republicans. It affects all of us. And so, you know, I think we've got to kind of press a reset with that. But with that said, it's very hard to do when Republicans act the way they're acting or say some of the things they're saying. Yeah. So let's speaking of that, Republicans acting the way they're acting. um, We've got the battle of the Georgia political episode of The Bachelor. Who's going to get the final rose? Brian Kemp or David Perdue? These two. Now, it's interesting to me, Jen, because as I'm behind the scenes in your universe, I see you've been getting endorsements from different people and you're securing endorsements from from important people. And I see how important that is to your campaign for attorney general. Like that really does mean a lot. It gives you credibility. It helps with your fundraising. And now you've got these two, Kemp and Purdue. And and how's that going? I mean, you know, it seems like that's a that's going to be a tough choice for some people. Yeah, it's it's a nightmare. I mean, if you're a Republican, and I think that there was a a political operative um, on the Republican side that was quoted that basically said that it was it was just going to be scorched earth, right? And that's exactly what we're seeing. I mean, you saw Purdue file a lawsuit, you know, trying to get Kemp not to be able to use those leadership committees where he's just pulling all this money in. And then you see Kemp turn around and file an ethics complaint against Purdue because he's coordinating with another entity. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's like 12 year olds like going at each other. And then you've got Purdue saying, I'm going to have the special election police if I'm elected, which and correct me if I'm wrong, Jen, it feels like any election fraud has all been committed by Republicans. The the majority of it. Well, this is what's crazy. It it just goes back to a complete misapprehension of the system and how it works. Currently, there are officers of the law. I mean, with the secretary of state's office, by the way, post certified that go out and investigate this. If there is, you know, um, evidence to suggest that there's been a violation of the law, fraud or otherwise, right within the election, they take it to the. The um, state election boards, they review it. If they think there's enough there, then they kick it up to the AG's office. And the AG then has to make the determination of whether or not they prosecute a case for fraud or suppression or whatever it is. There is, you know, this process in place. But what's interesting and nobody's talking about this is they act like we have this need for this. And I'm kind of like, I don't think that the attorney general has prosecuted a single case of election fraud or subversion or or anything, um, even with respect to the cases that have been brought to him by the state election board. So why don't we why don't we kind of look at 
what we have and if we're actually using it before we start building out kind of this this crazy, you know, police force. Well, that letter was not in the new camping vest that uh, uh, former Senator Purdue's been wearing at his appearances. I think he's gone from jean jacket to vest. Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) I think maybe he uh, heard your criticism loud and clear. Oh, I love the jean jacket. I think it's funny and I think this is like a well, you know, I just want my favorite commercial to come back of the the ladies, oh the, the, the ladies uh, at their uh, book club talking about how sexy David Perdue is. <laughs> I just want that commercial again. Um, but this is really a very twisted thing. And I always go back to um, I know she's irrelevant, but it's fun for me to bring up. Hi, Kelly, Kelly Leffler. Like, why isn't anybody really holding her feet to the fire of who she's endorsing? Yeah, I. I just because I think she's irrelevant. I mean, look, okay. it, it's almost okay. like okay. If, if you pay attention to her or you amplify any of this, you you somehow suggest that it means something. Well, okay, right? okay, you're right. Okay, fair enough. It's just me and my you know twisted head. I just was I I unfollowed her on Twitter, but I couldn't wait for her MLK quote. I was very it's excited like you're for that. Laying in wait for it. <laughs> I was waiting for it. And it came and I had fun with it. All right. So so we've got that going on now. The biggest thing, and we're going to have a guest to discuss this in just a minute, but we've got District Attorney Fonnie Willis, and she is is really uh, is, is opened up this investigation into former President Trump with a grand jury. Explain to me what's happening with that. Why, we've talked about this before, and I remember when we initially talked about it, you were a little bit like, hey, this is a big gamble to open up this Pandora's box. Let's get into that a little bit. Yeah. So what uh, Fonnie Willis is doing is she's brought together something called a special grand jury under Georgia law. And with respect to that, special grand juries cannot um, indict or, or you know, d- determine charges against a particular person that they hear evidence on. But what they can do is that they can subpoena uh, documents and witnesses to come so what I think has been going on is that the district attorney has been trying to investigate and get people to cooperate, come in, sit down with us, talk to our investigators, give us the documents, whatever. And I think she's basically been getting the Heisman and folks have not been cooperating. So she has to now go to the next level where she can actually use official process, like a subpoena right, to get somebody to come talk or to get documents. And really, uh, probably behind the scenes, you've had witnesses maybe say to her, look, I want to help you. I want to hand this stuff over, and I will, but you need to give me some cover and and subpoena it from me so it doesn't look like I am cooperating with you. Right. So, because you said this was a gamble in the sense, if I remember this co- correctly from when we've talked about this before, that people may uh, feel that what she's doing is partisan or trying to draw attention to her. Well, I think I thought it was more of a gamble in the sense of, OK, let's let's say she eventually convenes a grand jury that will issue an indictment. Right. The, the gamble is taking something like that to trial when in Georgia you have to have a unanimous That's right, verdict. and we're in a red state, right. and it's going right. to be hard and for we're her. very divided. Right, right. Like Fulton County is very divided. 
North Fulton, South, whatever. I mean, I think the city of Buckhead stuff should, you know, say it all. Um, so it, it would be very difficult to to get impanel a jury of 12 impartial people who would listen to the evidence and um, and convict the former president. But that's just my opinion. Look, it, I'm, it is your opinion. And what you said before, which I can't forget because it's like one of the great things you say um, all the time. You got the dude on tape. Right. You do. I mean, <laughs> but look, I was terrified that the the jury in the Ahmad Arbery case wasn't going to convict. And that was horrific video. Right. I mean, we're just in such a weird place right now in our country and people want to believe what they want to believe. Yeah, I know. I read this. Uh, the New York Times did a focus group with a bunch of Republicans, Democrats, and Independents, and it is it is terrifying. It is. Because people have lost their minds. They want to believe what they want to believe. And so I think you're absolutely right. I think when you get these 12 people, there are some people that are really convinced they will hear that tape of Trump saying, I want to find these votes. And oh, when people were throwing the votes in the river and this, that, and the other thing. And they will they really you hear it enough times you believe it. Well, and even if you don't believe it, remember, it's just about doubt. It's just about doubt. So it's you know, that's what's going to be tough politically. Now, with that said, we just know what we know. I mean, the fact that that audio was in the public, right, that that got you know released is crazy. I mean, so imagine what there might be behind the scenes. And my guess is that is what the district attorney is really going to be digging for, to see if there are emails or other calls or other evidence of um, Trump reaching out and really trying to put the screws on some of the um, election officials and, um, and, and our constitutional officers. Okay. Also came out, they were trying to have the National Guard seize the voting machines. Uh, which is absolutely, in, 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 that came out the, the day we're recording. Well, and think about that. Like, that is the equivalent of, like, David Perdue's election police. Basically, he just wants a militarized, you know, body that he can send out and, um, you know, seize ballots, right? Seize machines. Really, you know, try to you know, change the results of an election. We should we should all be incredibly concerned. I am concerned. Well, I want to get more details on on this because I know Jen's been so busy, so she doesn't have a chance to get all the details to answer my questions. So we will have both of us will have more questions uh, with our guest today. Our guest today is a regular on the Vote Her podcast. I think it's, this is his third or fourth appearance here. He's also becoming a regular on all of the news shows, kind of offering his legal acumen. Uh, Georgia State constitutional law professor Anthony Michael Christ. Uh, Anthony, you're everywhere. I mean, you're just like, you're kind of like a law superstar. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I try to be uh, accessible to the people. We'll, we'll call it that. <laughs> well, your Twitter is just so entertaining. I hang on your every word because it's a it's a mixture of legal, uh, you know, inside into legal news, but also um, the bops that you're listening to of the day, whatever the music is of the day or uh, drag queen memes. So it's all, <laughs> all my favorite things. 
So you know what? I've, I've realized that sometimes a, a good drag queen meme can be the most biting political commentary that's available. So, you know, that, that's a, that's a, you know, a quiver that I, that I, uh, never afraid to pull. Uh, well, let's go ahead and talk about D.A. Fonnie Willis right out of the gate. There was an article, you did tweet this out, um, and Jen and I were talking about this as well. This article in The Atlantic was written by David French saying, what Fonnie Willis is doing can be very, very dangerous and impactful for former President Trump. How this, that there's been a lot of lawsuits and a lot going on, but this one can really, really matter. Can you explain what's happening there? It's interesting because what is true of the case in Georgia, which is not true of other situations, you know, that that the Trump family might find themselves uh, in, in terms of legal jeopardy, is we have a phone call, um, right? We have evidence with voices being heard, right, which are clearly the former presidents um, making particular demands of of the secretary of state in the secretary of state's office, um, which I think, you know, give the raw or give rise to some credible, uh, you know, allegations that that what he was doing in that phone call was unlawful or criminal. And, you know, I think, of course, right, the, the thing is, is on its own, that might be a powerful piece of evidence of something unlawful afoot, um, right? But with anything that you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, which in this case would be solicitation of election fraud or conspiracy to commit election fraud um, or some other kind of, you know, re- related, uh, you know, uh, criminal act, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And, and so, you know, we could talk about that, you know, a little bit more in detail, you know, going forward, but basically, um, you know, in order to prove that and, and to prove a case that is, that is easily made in front of a jury, um, certainly the DA is going to want more than that phone call, right? We're, she's going to want to know the, you know, the, the full scale of what happened, uh, have all the evidence that's available to her um, so that if there's a case to be made, that she can make it the best way she can, uh, uh, to show that there was, you know, an intent um, and to, to break the law and then the requisite act. Yeah, I think the fact that, you know, she's kind of taken this next step indicates that whatever they've discovered thus far, and of course we do have the audio, right? Um, and that's compelling in and of itself. But whatever she's kind of discovered this far hasn't dissuaded her that there ain't more there there, right? That the more she digs or if she actually gets people to cooperate or hand over emails or communications or whatever, that actually she's just going to be able to kind of keep building a case. And and that's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, so let's let's think about a few of the pieces that are in the public domain, right? So we have the phone call. So look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes. So tell me, Brad, what are we going to do? We won the election, and it's not fair to take it away from us like this. And it's going to be very costly in many ways. And I think you have to say that you're going to reexamine it. We have to stand by our numbers. We believe our numbers are right. You know, there, there have been you know statements put out there by Brad Raffensperger um, that, you know, I, I forget now because it's right over a year, but it was um, it was almost what two dozen attempts to reach the, the Secretary of State or somebody in the office before that phone call actually happened, right? Um, there had been, uh, you know, I, I believe that the Trump campaign reached out, um, if not 
the former president himself, but somebody reached out to an investigator within the secretary of state's I, office. I think it was the president. Yeah, I think it was the president. Yeah. Um, then on top of that, right, we've got this report um, that, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, an associate of Kanye West was sent out by the campaign to go basically engage what seems to be some form of intimidation of a poll worker, right? Which actually, I believe it was a Fulton County poll worker, but it, the event, it actually happened in Cobb County. So that's, a, you know, that seems kind of weird. Given what we know so far, it doesn't seem far-fetched to me to call what was happening, um, you know, potentially, you know, a conspiracy to commit election fraud, um, right? There, there's all these different strings being pulled by different folks at, you know, slightly different times. And, you know, one has to wonder, right, is there a common source for all these things? And if so, um, you know, was there a criminal intent to do something, you know, you know in violation of, of Georgia law? Um, only the DA, only the grand jury, um, you know, only the Department of Justice, the January 6th committee uh, commission in, in Congress. Right. These are the folks who are empowered to to bring all that evidence. Right. And unearth it and bring it to light and and draw connections together where there where there are connections or right to, to also say, you know, there's nothing there. Another thing that we know in, in the public domain and I'm going to bring it up because I was there was the hearings, those those crazy, you know, kabuki hearings that Giuliani did, right, mm-hmm. with with the Trump legal team where they they basically doctored a video to make it look like, you know, somebody was stealing ballots or something. And they knew that they were giving an incomplete picture. And at the same time, this is being live streamed like on OAN and Newsmax and the the president is tweeting about it. Let me tell you, sitting there, it felt that felt very much like someone had planned all that out to a T. You know, you don't have national media like that, especially kind of on the the cray cray side of things, just kind of show up in a state Senate room, right, for a Senate subcommittee in the middle of December. It was just it, it just kind of just made me think yeah there's something there's something more going on here and i think i think that actually is going to be kind of a focus of this investigation as well yeah i you know you know of course the you know the one thing that might save them at least in terms of you know the the senate hearing um you know is the lack of uh you know being sworn under oath before they testified um you know because that to me is, you know, that would have been if they'd done that in front of Congress, we'd be talking about a very different scenario. Well, but it could be part of the conspiracy, right? This is sure. kind of oh yeah, one, one piece of of this whole plan they have, you know, to to affect public sentiment and you know basically steal the election. There's a question of whether he meant find me those votes in terms of, you know, count them again legitimately. Or find me those votes, make them up. I think it's an open, you could make an argument, right? A, a good lawyer would make an argument on both sides of what that actually meant. But with this other evidence, right? Things like mm-hmm. the fake electors, things like, mm-hmm. you know, the phone call to the investigator, things like, you know, um, you know, this, you know, these, these other crazy documents that are that are surfacing. And what about the National Guard being brought in for the uh, voting machines? Yeah. All of that, 
I mean, and let's be clear. And I, and I, I, and I think this is the, you know, today, right. This, this draft executive memo or executive order, uh, which I've heard some folks suggest it was actually Sidney Powell who might've written it. Um, you know, that they were reporting where some folks were, were speculating about that on um, MSNBC today. Um, you know, that would have been just a, a executive power grab, the likes of which we have not seen since the 1950s. Right. And, and you know, one in the steel seizure cases where Harry Truman, right, tried to, to basically nationalize um, steel plants for, for a while. Um, you know, even that, right, that would pale in comparison, I think, to the, um, you know, the, the, the abuse of power and federal overreach. You know, by the way, actually, you know, I'm tired of hearing folks, namely Brad Raffensperger, complain about federal take, takeovers of elections Right. When Donald Trump was trying to basically unilaterally usurp our election machines to overthrow a state election, right, a state, a a bona fide, legitimate, transparent, clean election. I don't want to hear any more about, you know, federal overtake of elections, which are constitutionally permitted, you know, based off the legislative, uh, you know, initiatives that Democrats have now. That's, you know. You want to talk about federal power grabs? Let's talk about the former president contemplating, apparently, in at least some serious way, you know, coming down and, and stealing our election machines for the purpose of stealing an election. Right. That is just so fundamentally undemocratic. It is authoritarian. It is inconsistent with constitutional principles. But it also, again, speaks to the mindset of what was happening, which was, I think, not that the president had a sincere, good faith, you know, interest in counting all the votes and getting, you know, getting the numbers right and that he was going to abide by that. He wanted Brad Raffensperger to throw out election results. He wanted the secretary of state's office to find some reason to invalidate Georgian's votes. And if we didn't think that, you know, that was the purpose, well, then why did he send John Eastman, right, former law professor, to the Georgia General Assembly to tell the Georgia General Assembly that it was their duty and prerogative to overturn the election, right? There, this, this is just, I, you know, I don't, I, I think we just have a lot of apologists now who think that we've gone far enough past January 6th. We've gotten, you know, just a decent amount of light between present day and Donald Trump that they can kind of whitewash what happened. But the truth of the matter is, is that there was a concentrated, concerted effort in the state to overthrow, you know, democracy and to undermine, uh, you know, the electoral process in a way that we have not seen since the 19th century redeemers in the South. And so, you know, if there's a lesson to be made, to be had right from that and from the history of Reconstruction, it was that the people who overthrew democracy in the late 19th century got away with it and they were never punished. And so if there is, again, you know, this is the moment we got to, we have to make sure that people pay for the, for the things that they did and that they can't get away with undermining democracy. So I imagine, or at least this is what I would do is like DA Willis has, you know, like a murder board, right? Where you have all of the players (laughs) and you have the lines and what's going, because another thing that people never talk about is the fact that there were state senators 
who flew to Washington, D.C. on January 5th to have dinner with Mike Pence, right? And so then we also know that in the the Oval Office that Trump is calling Pence and and telling him to do certain things like on the 5th, you know, it it starts to really, when you, you kind of back away from it, you know, you really do see the picture come together. And you're right, one little thing it almost just looks amateurish, right? Like, so they, they, they printed out this sheet with the name of people that they say are electors. Um, and they don't even go to the extra effort of, of, you know, sign, seal, deliver kind of stuff. But, you know, you put it all together in the context and it is, it is really chilling. It's pretty stinky. Uh, it's, it's, but I feel like nothing ever happens we have lawsuit after lawsuit and and you know there's it's it's nothing ever happens to, yeah, but to cr- him it, but criminal stuff's different right it's um and this is different this this because we saw it right like it was happening before our eyes i mean that is what is just crazy and why it's it's a lot more difficult for him to try to say no 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 that's not what was happening because we were we were living it here. We saw it. I was there. Giuliani breathed on me, so I get it. Don't I you mean, remember you and Senator Parent counting the votes in Pennsylvania? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anthony, we're gonna have to watch this very closely. I want to just get quickly to another topic, and that is this this Supreme Court business this week. Mm-hmm. I'm curious your take on this because it it made a lot of news when NPR's Nita Totenberg reported about this whole thing about how Sotomayor, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, was wanted Gors Justice Gorsuch to wear the mask and he didn't want to wear it, and then she ended up coming in virtually, and it, it you know, they put out a very very, very rare statement. What do you think was really going down there? What, what's, what's your read on that? Hmm. Uh, that's a mess. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, right, there's, there's these conflicting reports on the one hand that, you know, Justice Sotomayor made the decision prior to Justice Gorsuch kind of making the decision or, you know, whatever, that he was not going to wear a mask and that she already decided before then she was going to stay in chambers since she, um, you know, she, she's particularly susceptible. Um, and, you know, then we had the reports of, you know, Justice Chief Justice Roberts asking them to, to wear a mask, which then, you know, it was phrased that he did it in, quote, unquote, some form. I mean, that, you know, I don't know. All, you know, the NPR reporting was kind of phrased oddly. The, the, the statements made by the chief and by Justices Sotomayor and Gorsuch were phrased oddly. Maybe there's something to say about that, you know, because lawyers, you know, let's be real. Lawyers are trained to to parse language and to be very precise when they want to be so that they communicate exactly the truth, no more, no less, which may or may not, you know, con- contradict the reporting. All I know is bottom line is Justice Gorsuch, um, you know, it, I think he's still kind of a jerk. Right. I mean, at the end yeah, of the day, he seems like a real dick. At the I end mean, of the day, who like, does that? Wear, wear the damn mask and, and just be decent. You know, I, I don't, I don't get it. Palace intrigue is something, something else with the Supreme Court. But you know, it, it is that. That's what happens when you have an institution that governs all of us, but is also incredibly secretive. Yeah, and it seems like they're pretty out of touch. I mean, you know, of course, we have this, you know. 
Uh, there was a poll released today that, you know, it was a CNN poll and it, it just showed r- overturning Roe versus Wade. How it uh, was, I think, 69% of people were not in favor of that, that, you know, keep it that way. And here we are. Uh, we're prop. It's probably going to be overturned. I mean, at least from a lot of the reporting or that stuff that you've been putting out there, Anthony. It looks like this is uh dead in the water. I mean, this is hap. This happening. It's gonna or not. It's I, I should I should say it's very much alive and happening. Yeah, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna be in for. I mean, I, I what I suspect they're going to do is that they're basically going to not overturn Roe per se, but they're just going to cut the, the right back so much that it's virtually meaningless, right? So, so basically you could see them saying, you know, six weeks, uh, 12 weeks, you know, this is, this is the line. And, uh, you know, basically render the right, you know, so hollow that most women, um, you know, or many women may not know they're pregnant while the right still attaches. And then once the state's, quote unquote, interest kicks in um, and they realize that they're pregnant, it's too late, you know? So, so, you know, I, I think that's the kind of situation we're going to find ourselves in where, right. The, again, the right's not theoretically overturned, right. As a matter of, you know, law per se, but it is cut back and narrowed so much that it's, you know, effectively hollowed out. And then it's going to be up to state legislatures to fight that out. And, you know, it, it may or may not, you know, engender a lot of uh, pushback and blowback. Um, but it's certainly, no matter what it does for the court's reputation, the court's legitimacy, um, it's going to bring a lot of fights to a lot of state legislatures in the next year or so. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think we've we've already seen it in Georgia with respect to 481. And I mean, you know, it, it's coming. I mean, it's good politics for them. Um, and it's and it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to have that comfort because that's a whole other long conversation because it's especially when it comes to um, I don't want government in my body when it comes to vaccines and vaccine mandates. But suddenly when it comes to women's reproductive rights, it's oh, we do want the government involved in your personal choices. We don't want the government to control us, but we're cool with the government controlling you. That's right. That's basically. That's right. Praise be under his eye. That's right. Anthony, you got on Fox News. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you, right. your tweets, you, you, did you get, you, you were skewered by Fox News. They did not like the things you were saying. And the Attorney General of Arizona, of all people. <laughs> yeah. Did you get a lot of followers from that or did you get a lot of like, were you doxxed a little bit? I mean, we've all been there where there's suddenly like, you know, Joe Schmo 6532 XYZ is like <laughs> Twitter bombing you. What happened? You know, I, um, I don't, I don't really, I didn't really get much uh, pushback. So that was interesting. I was, I mean, I had a few people, um, you know, send me some, some not so, nice dms um which definitely did not make me feel good about myself um <laughs> but um you know apparently i needed a haircut so i got a haircut right away because my my feelings were hurt by <laughs> by the fox new uh the fox news viewership but really the the biggest detractor came from my grandmother who did see it on fox news uh-huh. and, um, and thought that i needed to be a little bit nicer but she was 
uh, as a Fox viewer, she uh, she was proud that I got on a in a uh, cable news network that she actually approved of. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Well, I think it's terrific. I mean, listen, you're becoming like, you know, it's so interesting to me. And I say this to Jen all the time, uh, sometimes too much. She gets a lot of correspondence from me during the week because it seems like every single day the biggest news stories have to do with the law you know all the stuff that we talked about with uh da Fonnie willis with abortion rights with vaccine mandates it's it's there's just there's so much legality in it and you have such a measured uh important point of view where i feel like even conservatives are like really a lot of not not to say that you're picking a side, but they're really paying attention to what you have to say. Well, you know, I, I've always had the, you know, the belief that, you know, you have to call. Well, this is why I'm a, an academic. Right. And not, you know, I mean, I certainly have partisan allegiances. Right. I mean, nobody would accuse me of being a Republican. So, I mean, just, you know, I mean, um, but, you know, certainly, you know, I still think as an academic, right, the truth matters more than partisanship. Now, I think a lot of times my 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 understanding of truth and facts and my interpretation of them aligns 90 percent of the time with, you know, liberals, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, there, there's moments where you call the shots where you see them. You know, there you know, I've had days where I and, and I like this, right, like there are days where Brian Kemp has done things which are within his legal limits and proper and correct. And they follow the law. And when he does that and I say, okay, you know, he's, he's done an okay job on this day, then I have no problem giving him credit. Right. Um, you know, if, you know, Brad Raffensperger does the same thing, you know, I think there's nobody I despise more politically in the state of Georgia than David Perdue. Well, other than Kelly Loeffler, um, yeah, let's be, let's be real <laughs> about that. You know, hating we join the club. Hating, hating on Kelly Loeffler <laughs> is a personality trait. And I will stand by that until my, the day I die. But, you know, David Perdue, I, I oppose everything he stands for. Um, you know, if I had the ability to vote in a Republican primary and I won't, but if I did, I'd vote for Brian Kemp in a heartbeat over David Perdue. But, you know, his recent lawsuit challenging the campaign finance law that, that, you know, is, you know, kind of in the news lately, he's, I think of a right on that. So, you know, and, and so I think Absolutely. all that kind of that gives, you know, that's important. Jen too. I mean, Jen's on yeah. board with that too. Yeah. What did Jen say? You said, uh, it's the one thing I can't believe I'm agree agreeing with David Perdue, but, but, uh, but I am. You I know said. I wanted to file a lawsuit. <laughs> he beat me to it, man. Yeah. He actually had Why better not? standing. I mean, that th That's what I always thought. I was like the, the perfect person to file this suit would be David Perdue. Now I didn't think he was going to do it, but you know, I'll take it. <laughs> Well, Anthony, your Twitter is Anthony M. Kreis. It's it's K R E I S. Uh, follow you on Twitter. You are so entertaining to me. I just love pop culture and my constitutional law. Georgia State must love having you. You're so much fun. And thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, no, glad, always, always glad to be on the pod and, uh, you know, lo lo love talking about the issues with you. So I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about. 2022 is going to be, um, I guess, exciting. That's uh, what I hear on the well, that, That's a word. That is a word. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's really smart. I love him. You know, it's interesting because like something will happen and I will look at a statute or 
you know, I'll kind of do a little analysis myself. But a lot of times I'll do a gut check and I'll like message Anthony and I'll be like, so this is what I think. But what do you think? You know, just to kind of, you know, because the law, there is the practice of law. It's yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's not always as clear cut as people think it is. And so he's he's always really great about engaging and we'll go back and forth and um, you know, he's a, he's a smart dude. Well, I especially like being the Twitter addict that I am. I just like how he is not afraid to put himself out there with very, very strong opinions and um, people push back. And, you know, when you're that brilliant, you know, it's c- kind of hard to, you well, know. Sometimes you want people to push back when you're that smart. Yeah. Then you can show them really how smart you yeah. are. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting in the next couple of months. I mean, yeah, people are damn crazy. I mean, they've lost their damn minds. Speaking of that, we'll end with something a little bit wild and fun and a little creepy, too. So our other friend. Wild, fun, and creepy. Wild, sounds, fun, like, <laughs> sounds like an ex-boyfriend. Sounds like the a podcast I'm listening to, you know? Uh, or it sounds like your 40 days in <laughs> the gold home, right? Um, so... Our, another friend of the show is Charles Bethay from The New Yorker, who who we really like a lot. And he wrote an article about Marjorie Taylor Greene joining this country club, which really fascinated me, uh, the Coosa Country Club. And it was this whole story about how in the early aughts, they didn't want a member who had a porn shop and his wife uh, was allegedly seen in a porn. So they were like kicked out of the club because of that. But yet they welcomed Marjorie Taylor Greene fast forward, you know, 15 years. Uh, no problem. It's it, Only Charles could <laughs> weave together a story about porn country clubs and Marjorie Taylor Greene <laughs> and have it be entertaining, informative. And so very readable. Uh, I, I just, it's, it's, it's a very, very bizarre, it's a bizarre thing um, that, um, number one, like those people seeing, she's just not like a regular Republican, right? Who would just kind of fit right in. I mean, I don't, I don't, well, I was going to say something that wasn't very nice. So okay. I'm well, going to just stop. Choose your words carefully. We talked about this last week. You got to see the finale of Yellow Jackets. Did you watch it all? Oh, my gosh. So the state senator lady, creepy. Oh, my gosh. I was like yelling at her her, her spouse. I was like, don't go in there. What are you doing? You know, it was just, it was great. It was great. But, you know, they clearly, it was funny. I was watching it with my son and, and, I, I looked at him and I said, well, what did you think? He said, well, clearly they're going to have another season. I was like, yep. oh, they're definitely going to have another season. And the state senator woman, of course, this isn't giving too much away, but she may be a werewolf. Uh, or like a devil worshiper or <laughs> someone who eats human body parts. I mean, I don't know. There was like a decapitated dog and a heart. I was like, I don't even know what to what to think about all this stuff. So should we be checking in your basement, Jen? I, <laughs> no, I don't have a basement. No, no. no. I mean, that was the whole reason why I got Jen to watch the show, because I said, well, there's a state senator character. <laughs> and then she turns out to be this just complete and utter freak. And I'm like, 
Wow, this is this is something. It's a great show. All right. Well, hey, um, this has been a lot of fun. We're taking next week off because you have a campaign event and I'm going out of town. And then we'll be back um, after that. Uh, thanks, Christina Laringer, for always producing our show. Thank you for listening. We always get such great feedback. And uh, the Georgia political news is never boring. Um, and so we, we, I will ask Jen all the questions. And I think I'm going to go home and start on my, like, uh, murder board for, you know, Donald Trump. So anyway, <laughs> all right. have a good one. 